Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Welcome to the leadership. No, that's not it. There's a, or another word before that. Ready? Giant. What? <laughs> I screwed up. Oh, wow. This Sorry, is going Steve. in, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to the giant leadership. How did I normally say that? I always said the liberator podcast. I know. I've said the liberator podcast in my head for years. So now I'm going to do it one more time. That's so funny. Okay. We'll stop being liberators, don't forget. It's fine. Oh, yeah, that's true. Just giants. Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek, and as always, I'm here with... Steve Cochran. I, I thought it would be more fun for you to say your name. So, it's great um, to meet you. Thank you. Yeah, it's good, man. Hey, dude. What's up? We're, we're you know, across the pond here from each other. And yeah. uh, how's my favorite British guy? Oh, that's very sweet of you. Um, no, no, I'm I was, good. I was talking about Richard. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> That's funny. Your second favorite British guy. Okay, fair enough. Uh, no, we're good. We had a um, we went on a family holiday last week to Cyprus. So you know, for those of you following, you story, do. I was I was good. I did first, second year, very little. Well, the occasional work with a call while I was walking, but no, uh, kids were. Dad was present, and that was good. So, and it's a beautiful place. But it was really a celebration of Helen being well. I think that was the big thing. I think you only really appreciate how much of the of my world runs with military precision because my wife is running it. And uh, I think when you when she's out for a bit, I think my appreciation of my nurturer guardian's ability to bring loving care and kindness. So I am thrilled that basically Helen is back in full power. So yeah, she was sat on her bench dispensing justice to the nations yesterday, which I know she loves doing as well. So that's probably the big thing in my world. And obviously I've got a suntan today, so it's did not just a filter I've got. Did you get a tattoo? Be honest. No. There's <laughs> no chance. There's no, there's no way. I, I, mean, I know you got one and you don't well, want to know about it. But You had talked about putting one on your lower back that said giant just back there. <laughs> <laughs> you said that was if I was all in, then I'd have one. But <laughs> if that's really... the criteria, then I'm all out. <laughs> I think it would hurt too much. Have you oh. had one? No, but I would love to see a video, like a reality show of people's faces <laughs> while they're getting a tattoo. That would be funny. Maybe, maybe next time we get to New York, we can get a tattoo, Jess. Oh, maybe. yeah. Oh, but, man. Oh, that would just be, I don't know. Anyway, there we go. You've been, America's been busy voting since last time we uh, well, and last I've been time a, together. Well, I've got to give you my story. I'm not, I'm not going to current affairs yet. I've, I've been okay. traveling. Uh, so much, but my world is almost laughable. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I leave this afternoon to go to West Virginia to be on the sidelines of a football game. Mm-hmm. And I've been in so many cities on Peace Index Tour. And then my wife has been finishing the um, Farmstead venue, wedding venue. And we've, we've been booking our first bookings for next year. And so it's crazy. It's really, really fun. But I'm telling you, I'm cannot wait to have a giant retreat in <laughs> the farmstead venue it's just so 
yeah unique it's a it's beautiful so that's fun and it's also my grandparents farmstead and it's just kind of a neat to to redo something from history mm. and give it another 30 40 years of life amazing so, anyway super excited about that so while you were in cyprus we've just been working so um it's <laughs> <laughs> been the story of the last 10 years jeremy hasn't it really <laughs> Uh, I love Cyprus. I've never been, but I like the idea of it. Well, um, yeah, okay. So now back to yes, current affairs, man. We've got we've got a few things that have happened. Um, I thought that conversation that we had when I asked you just tell me what's going on in England was mm. so profound. I don't know if you want to share it or not, but I'm not sure I can be profound twice in the same week, Jez. But I'll I'll give it a try. I. I I think there's a really interesting moment in our world, over here anyway. I think we've lived with this concept of Great Britain for a long time. And I think that basically there's, well, for some anyway, not <laughs> there's a growing, there's a growing realisation, I think, that we are trading on former glories and we're trading on um, economic past, which has allowed us to, in many ways, keep going. But we've created this protector culture and entitlement culture and for the first time, I think the realization is finally hit that we can't actually spend all the money we want to spend without actually um, actually being more productive in what we do or being prepared to pay more taxes. So we've got this 50 billion pound black hole, which I know compared to the American national debt is like a, a tip. But fundamentally, you have the reserve currency, we don't. So we're actually going through this incredibly painful readjustment, which I think is Probably, if you think of the bell curve, only the very, very earliest pioneer thinkers are really, really aware of it. But actually, we can't do everything we want to do. Everyone's on strike. Everyone wants more money. Everyone thinks, and the government's having to borrow 50 billion just to fill the black hole. But no one's got any sense of, but teachers need more money. The nurses want 15%. The Firemen want twenty percent. The train. It's literally we're going to have an awful lot of strikes, a lot of social unrest, and just this realization that people's living standards is going to drop because we haven't been entrepreneurial enough and we haven't really invested in growth. So it's a little bit depressing because it's the first time I think where people, the people in the know are looking at it, and going, "I think we're going to have to go down through the valley of the shadow." And the Brits, historically, this is my kind of cause for optimism, you know me, is we're very rarely entrepreneurial until we have to be. But when we're <laughs> threatened by war or by famine, we're usually prepared to be pretty ingenious and entrepreneurial. So I think we've probably got to, have, sadly, have a, a Labour government to prove to the socialists that we can't just spend money either. Um, so that's kind of, I think that's what you were saying to me. And I'm yeah. going to ask, what does it mean to lead well? when we can't fix things instantly and when actually we have to be the grown up in the room and almost recognize that it's going to be a painful readjustment and we may need to rediscover the fundamentals of what allowed us to be great last time and we may discover that some of those core foundational principles of what makes our society work really need to be reinvested in and reinvigorated so you know yeah. i don't know whether that's the profound thought you were hoping no, for it but was kind and, of and where and we that's, are that's called humility yeah <laughs> that, that humility you know yeah. uh, um versus of uh pride or a past ego um yeah. i think i think the other part obviously the queen's death ushered yeah. in the potential for thought 
good or bad, but I just think that mm-hmm. having the, the king. So I think it's a, I do think it's profound what you said. Um, and when you think about that on a global scale, and then you put mm-hmm. America in here, and uh, from yeah. America for, on our side, I think there's something brewing. The pragmatist, centrist, mm-hmm. basically are like, okay, enough, enough crazy mm-hmm. left, crazy right, mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. just random, exaggerated thought. I mean, it's almost time for the serious political leaders to step mm-hmm. back in. And go, no, okay, guys, we're not going to manipulate the crowds with sound bites and clickbait. Let's actually, mm-hmm. let's actually lead. And I think yeah. that's what people are wanting for common sense. I think mm-hmm. the, I think the midterm said that basically like, yeah, we don't want to follow this crazy past guy. We don't want to mm-hmm. follow it a guy who's incoherent. I mean, literally both sides of like, can we just get some real leaders mm-hmm. um, to yeah. follow? So that's, that's what I sense from people. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, so you, anyway. kind of know, you know, uh, the Donald is worried when he's coming out attacking Ron DeSantos and basically trying to rubbish him and then claim he put in there. Yeah. It kind of suggests that, you know, uh, if ever there was an endorsement that here was somebody worthy of, the uh, Donald has effectively told the world he actually feels threatened by this guy, mainly, I guess, because he speaks a bit of common sense and has a track record. I mean, his resume looks like the all American dream, like Navy SEAL, Harvard lawyer, you know, sort of um, right. to win by that many in Florida is, is quite impressive. So I don't know what your, your take on it is, but from this side of the pond, he looks like a grown up kind of Republican, but without all the nastiness of the extreme uh, right, is is that a good read from this side of the pond, or is it? Am I missing something? No, I think I think that you know there's going to be people who disagree on the podcast, and or because of partisanship. But Out I of do 10 think, million listeners, Jeremy. There's always going to be a few disagree. But if you disagree, <laughs> make sure to write to Jeremy at giantworldwide.com. <laughs> uh, thanks for that. No, I do think though that it's just uh, it's just leadership, yeah. and and I think that's really it. It's like just lead with with uh, um, with mm. authority, with compassion, not just uh, yeah. because you're the the guy. So it'll be interesting. Uh, the actual presidential election starts now. Gosh, uh, it's two more years until the election. <laughs> so it will be the next. It'll be basically in six months. It'll be starting wow. big time. So uh, wow. yeah. So and of course, you know, in, the, in the midst of this, we have our dear friend Vladimir. Who is struggling like mad? And, did you talk and, to him? Have you? Did yeah, you call back? I offered a life intensive, and he said he was busy. <laughs> so you know, um, but in in the meantime, after, he might not after, have life left. That much life left. <laughs> in the meantime, the the Chinese have elected uh, their their leader for life, who's gearing up on a war footing as the primary focus of his next term. So, did you I, read I think, his speech? I know. And then there was a picture of him yesterday in combat fatigues. And you kind of go, well, if I was in Taiwan right now, I'd be thinking about what my options were because it wouldn't surprise me if um, they're going to get a visit from their friends across the the border. Well, he uh, basically had a mandate in the next five years. It has to happen in the next five years. So So, um, anyway, fun. Yeah, there you go. With that, we've 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 got a couple of guests. We've got, and we've a, got question. a question. And we've got a question. I'm going to bring in the one and only Tracy Rader, who 
basically keeps us hey, in Trace. track and makes sure everything happens. So, Tracy, have we, have we got a question for today from one of our millions of listeners? We do. We do. Um, let's see here. Jamie from Ohio says, I've just become a manager of eight team members at a manufacturing plant. What would be the first couple of things I should do to get off on the right foot? Great question, Jamie. Go on, Josie. You have a first crack if you want. Yeah. So, you know, a big part of when you step into it depends on what your role was, you know, where you, you were part of the team before and now you're the manager or are you a new manager? I don't know, but it always is great to just start with uh, knowing your people to lead your people. So even uh, stating very simply what you're about, what you're excited about, and then having a session on the five voices always wins. We call it the five voices boot camp. So what you're doing is from the very beginning, you're showing that you're really interested in knowing who each of the team members are, even if you've been on that team before. And by doing that, then they're going to start to trust that you're for them because you're really trying to learn how they communicate, how they respond, what they're, you know, how they're thinking. And uh, so the, the five voices bootcamp is a great start to establish really, really good relations. What'd you add, Steve? So good. Uh, and yes, uh, yes, and I think, Jamie, all I say, the simplest tool we have is what we call the support challenge matrix. And it, it's kind of leadership 101 to echo what Jeremy's saying is to go, learn what it means to actually calibrate high support and high challenge for each member of the team. And obviously, you know, you, you may not necessarily be a Jedi master on um, personalities. The voices will help. But one of the things you could always do is simply take that tool and when you have your initial conversations with each of those team members, ask them, just say, I'm really committed to being a liberating leader for you. I want to bring the right amount of challenge support. What would that look like for you? So you'll find if you take the time, as Jeremy said, to listen, they'll tell you. Now, it doesn't guarantee that you'll be going to do everything right. But if you're going to start off, start off with a recognition that you want to learn how to create the environment for them to be at their best. And ultimately as well, actually learning how you create synergy with the different gifts and superpowers that are in your team. So there's two very practical things, Jamie, which, um, but congratulations on uh, your promotion to management and let us know how it goes. Love it. That's awesome. Well, the privilege that we have at Giant is we have an ecosystem of guides. We call them coaches and consultants, trainers, uh, speakers, and those are all over the world and, and continue to grow each month. But we also have another group called the Catalyst. And the Catalyst are really people inside organizations that are in um, learning and development, uh, leadership. They're really in charge over people, maybe HR. And the Catalyst role, we, we actually have the privilege of having two of them. So let's welcome Kayla Kirthy and Sam Hatchell. What's happening, friends? How are we? Hello, hello. Good to see hey, you, Kayla. So great to be here. Thanks, Jeremy and Steve. Yeah. Well, so awesome. good to have you guys on. Um, we love Kayla and Sam. We've known them for a long time. And I'm going to have them share their quick story. But um, they are in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They have uh, really played a role of a catalyst. They'll explain that. And we got connected to them through one mm -hmm. of our guides, Maria guy who you've uh some of you have heard you've listened she's been on before she's one of our partners in giant she's amazing and uh she's really apprentice kayla and sam so guys tell first start off explain what you do like what's your role in your organization and uh, really what a catalyst is 
And Sam, we're going to start with you because Kayla, we're going to come back and you can explain kind of your transition from a, a catalyst to a guide as well. But go ahead, Sam. Yeah. So um, James Corporation, we're a general contracting firm. So we build buildings. And what I do inside of James Corporation was I oversee our quality department. But that's kind of the, the side gig. The main gig is, is leadership development um, that we've been doing since 2015, since Maria Guy came on. Um, and I, I wanted to get to what I, you know, what I really, um, what I really do. And I create these experiences for people to know themselves, um, either through core group or through one-on-one. And then I go and follow up with them and, and ask them how they're doing on the thing that they wanted to, to work on. And that by and large is really, if you boil it down, that's in essence what, I, what I do, uh, pretty much day in and day out. That's awesome. All right, Kayla, so t- uh, tell us your journey at TLC and kind of what how you transitioned. Yeah, so um, I was the chief administrative officer at TLC Plumbing and Utility in Albuquerque. Um, Sam and I met each other before Giant because we are both in the construction and service industry. And so that's what TLC does. And they have a lot of different arms of things that they do. Um, So in that administrative officer role, my job was really to support the other officers and being effective in meeting our purpose as a company, which is still, to this day, improve the lives of our employees and the community as a whole. And so when I saw a gap in us not being intentional, that's where Giant came in and really helped us to multiply and make sure that we were meeting that purpose. in that time, I actually moved out of this, the the town that TLC is in, and so I left the company and became a giant guide full time. I still get to play in the TLC world now and then, and so that's a lot of fun. Um, but I was able to pass off my catalyst baton to a group of people that are still implementing it and doing an amazing job. And one of the fun parts in in Giant, Kayla has a privilege of serving a lot of the catalyst role. And how many catalysts are there now in the giant ecosystem? Over 200 catalysts within the giant ecosystem at this time. Yeah. And the cool part is they have this like Slack community and they communicate with each other and they do, they help each other with best practices. And so um, we was, we wanted to say thank you guys for being just amazing at uh, uh, seeing the vision, being a part of it. You guys have truly shaped a lot of the role of the catalyst and what we do. And, uh, so super grateful for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, you know, one thing, Jeremy, is I um, I feel like sometimes I work for two different companies. I work for Jane's and I have core values that are fall in line with that. And uh, and then sometimes I open up uh, the giant core values and mission and vision. I'm like, oh, yeah. And that other company, I also work for them, too. <laughs> um, you know, it's like um, it, there's a lot of overlap between the two in terms of, of values, um, which makes it which makes it good. But it just listening to you talk like, thank you. Cause I, you know, it's it, and, and Steve. So for the opportunity to work for you guys. And I think guys as well, one of the things that when we were all together in Oklahoma and it was so lovely to celebrate and hear the stories of catalysts, I think the realization that, that being a catalyst is usually an unglamorous role that basically is very rarely, um, you end up with a day job and a part-time job being a catalyst and no one really expects any difference. So, but I think that that's why for us that being able to celebrate you guys. And I think a recognition for us is that when we're working with companies, it's fine being able to work at the the top level, which Jeremy and I often do, 
But I think I'm a growing believer that without catalysts on the inside of the organization, translating giant and making it actually fit the cultural context and value system of the organization. So we're like, you know, everywhere we go now, um, all I'm doing is going, you need a catalyst on the inside. And then we love on the catalyst because we know how difficult that role is. So it's lovely to be able to sort of celebrate you guys publicly and thank you because without catalyst, we wouldn't be seeing the growth, I believe, of, of giant's impact in organizations. So maybe a practical question for you, for those who are listening, as they go, you know, I'll also go, I, I, in my old days as a chemical engineer, the, the problem with the catalyst is the catalyst often gets burned up in the reaction of creating speed of change. So we really hope that it's more of a metaphor than something literal in the way that the catalyst functions. But um, talk to us a little bit practically about going, okay, you're a catalyst, you've got some tools. Sam, you did this. Maybe Kayla want to go first. How do you help get your people closer to 100%? How do you help them be healthier so that as they function, as they lead, it impacts the performance of teams and organizations. Give us some practical examples of some of the things that you've done with the people where you've been a catalyst on the inside. Kayla, do you want to go first? Sure. I'll go first. Thanks, Steve. I I feel like internally our role as a catalyst is really to accelerate the the growth in people. So like Sam shared, Mm -hmm. people come to him, he gives them tools that give them some self-awareness. And so I feel like how you help people become 100% is actually starts with you. And, and you being humble enough and not having pride and all those things that you all were talking about before. Um, I think it's being intentional about being real with mm-hmm. what your strengths and weaknesses are and sharing those stories and, and then being consistent with that. And the language will do the work and the tools will do the heavy lifting if you just are continually putting them in front of people in whatever way works for your organization. Mm-hmm. And I would say as a catalyst, I probably would have burned up if it wasn't for Sam. Um, and so so engage in your community and and be there for each other and support each other. Because when you're giving yourself away as a catalyst and being that real, sometimes it's difficult. And so find mm-hmm. those people that are there for you like Sam has been for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Well, and that's the same for Kayla as well. And actually, what's interesting, we're talking about TLC and Jane's. And, and their catalyst over there at TLC, I literally just yesterday was talking to Mindy uh, and Lisa Knapp over there. And we're still working. So that relationship of catalyst amongst TLC and James mm-hmm. is still there. So that's that's proof that Kayla has done the multiplication over there. Um, for me, the 100 percent, how are we getting people healthy is, you know, one of the things that I've learned very in construction is at the end of the, at the beginning of your day, kind of have like three things that you actually want to accomplish. <laughs> it could be just a phone call could be writing a report, whatever it is, but just, just three. I know it sounds like it's low, low. That doesn't sound very good, uh, but actually if you focus, but as a catalyst, my third thing is to be available um, for others um, because there's always um, gonna be somebody who needs something in terms of processing out loud, um, <laughs> some kind of um, tool. Um, yesterday, some guy came in and we went through a whole um, business development exercise he was trying to figure out. I don't know the answers to things. That's the other thing about the catalyst. I don't know the answers. And this is where, you know, Jeremy and Steve, you guys have given me this liberation that goes, I don't know the answers, but I can ask good questions. Um, and the genius is in the room and it's not me. So, you know, that, that point of learning how to, you know, this is the construction cliche. We excavate out the answer from others. And I've, I found that people have a hard time self-excavating. Um, they have a hard time doing that. 
So, so that's where the, the sweet spot is. Try to get to 100%, asking really good questions and listening really well. Like, <laughs> um, it's just hard for a connector to listen, but <laughs> I think I've gotten a, you know, um, I've gotten better. <laughs> yeah, What'd you I say? would. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, what'd you say? <laughs> I, I would add something that Sam has actually been really intentional about and that he's not talking about is when somebody says I should do something, mm. he's so intentional about letting that, that mm. be what he latches onto and supports and challenges someone and liberates someone to really mm. make sure that that change is not just, you know, inspiration, but it's transformation. If you hear somebody say, I should do, keep, huh? keep digging, keep excavating. Yeah. And, and what I love here is I think having the two of you together. So Kayla is a guardian nurturer and, and Sam is a connector creative. That's very different wirings playing a similar role. But I think the thing I love is in what you said is, you're both bringing your superpowers to the role of empowerment and liberation. I suspect Kayla does it in a slightly different way to Sam, in the same way that I may do it in a different way to Jeremy as a pioneer connector. But the tools are the same. And what we're really doing is we're creating the common vocabulary and language, but we're allowing, in many ways, us to be able to bring our best self because it's actually bringing the things that we're passionate about and asking the right questions and being interested. So, you know, when Sam's saying, I have my door open all the time and people come in, Kayla's looking at me going like, why would you ever do that? Because <laughs> how could I How could I possibly get anything done? But actually Kayla will be available in different ways. And I just think it's a really good thing to, as people listen to this and go, oh, I'm not in HR or I'm not in operations. It's really interesting to me that both of you were playing a catalyst role from senior leadership positions. And I think that's another important thing that, it's great to have HR involved, but I love it when there's people who are real people of influence as well in the wider organization that go, hey, I want to be a champion for our culture. I want to be somebody who is known for multiplying health. So, you know, thanks, guys. And just to, you know, Jess, do you have another question? Yeah, or two? last question. Yeah, last question, guys. So, um, Sam, Kayla, as you're talking, think think about the our listeners to go, how many are have a business or inside a team company and they're they've never really thought about huh what would it look like to be a catalyst how does that even work how do you actually multiply and scale leadership inside organizations because a lot of people do leadership that means we did a workshop this year or we had an event um right or we have uh, maybe a four-week such and such uh, but what does it look like to scale leadership? Whoever wants to go first, jump in. I think one of the things um, for me, Jeremy, what I've learned from even a, a podcast that you had mentioned is that if you want to change teams, you've got to start at the individual level. And so because teams are made of individuals. And so multiplication first starts with the individuals that are willing to come into the catalyst and come into giant in our organization. So if you come into this place in our program, right, then, then you're starting to change that individual. And that's where the multiplication, I think, starts. I can't just go to a team is like, oh, we're all going to figure out how to multiply our own skills. I have to get down to the individual level. That's where it kind of starts. I think the other piece is that when you see multiplication happen, you've got to celebrate it. And that means going to the multiplier and saying, do you see what you just did? Like you're doing, you know, this, this idea of, you know, a general superintendent bringing somebody else to be another general superintendent and celebrating 
that and it doesn't have to be a big, you know, cocktails and pizza. It's just going over there and acknowledging that. Um, I think company values play a big role in scaling it because if our leader didn't align with some of the values that we're trying to do with the giant has, we wouldn't, it wouldn't scale. Right. Um, and then, and then the last piece I was thinking about this question, um, was that there has to be, um, there's walls of self-preservation that play a role in scaling. If, if the individual does not want to multiply because they're afraid they're going to lose influence or they're going to be replaced or they're not going to have a, a, a be able to contribute to the team anymore in the same way. We got to get through those those walls of self-preservation. Um, and that and that's fortunately for us at Jane's, it's an expectation that you are multiplying. Um, but if you're if you have a company that that's not the culture, um, that would be that would be some hard yards to get there, I think. Yeah. And I would add to that, you know, start, just start somewhere, start wherever you are. So the journey that I had at TLC was, of course, I saw the tools and I started experiencing personal transformation. I'm like, everybody needs this. And, and at the time that wasn't where we were. And so we started with eight people, right. And whoever it was that wanted to change and multiply and engage, and then that's where we started. So don't feel like, you have to start where everyone else starts. I think meet, meet your company where it is. And, and I would add intentional multiplication is actually a tool that Giant has. And when I say meet people where they are, sometimes we need to have big, inspirational, efficient communication, which is more informing. And that can be big groups of people. Sometimes it's training, which is really, you know, like workshops and more focus and connection. And sometimes it's coaching and it's depth and collaboration. And that's that's where we started was actually in that coaching space. And, and in that space, we actually had a lot more relational access and transformation than if we would have started with the whole company informing. And so that's just where our company was. That's not really necessarily where Sam's company was at Jane's. Um, and then the last piece is apprenticeship where you're really taking and, and growing people internally and multiplying in that space. And so that's how you multiply is you're intentional about what am I doing and why am I doing it? Am I doing a workshop to do a workshop or am I doing it to be prospecting for who has influence so that we can multiply this throughout our whole culture? Yeah. And, and that would be my answer to how you multiply in a company. And it goes back to what are you trying to multiply? Who are you trying to multiply it into? When? Why? All those questions, right? So I think that's great. The idea of formal and informal you have formal yeah. programs that you do, but then you have informal relational dynamics that are happening. And uh, you yeah. guys have been great with that. Yes, Sam. I just, one last thing. And this is the practical piece. When people come into the space or come into my office and whatever, when this is the practical thing about, about having giant as a platform, when we talk about a tool, I can show the leader who is not a catalyst, who doesn't know how to coach, you know, all those things. And I say, why don't we watch this video? And we watch the video and the spark goes, oh, I need to get that to my team. Okay, great. Here's the video, right? Go do it. And I, that has happened over and over again where you see a guy, a guy who is not a coach, come in, open up the video, show his project team. And then now six months later, they've been watching that video every month as a project team. It was the core process. And did they get it right? Like how they executed it? No, not necessarily. They got it 80% there, which is fine. But when I go back into that into that team, you see this leader basically leading a, a small core group, 
right, for his team. That is multiplication. So the platform and the way we, we the technology allows us to really like just go, here you go. Like, <laughs> you don't have to have me come to your job site and facilitate a conversation. You can do it too. Just play the video and go, what do you guys think? So. Super that's such a that's a, such a great part uh, uh, a truth that what we've tried to do is scaling we've tried to give resources and tools so leveraging technology with uh, face-to-face with communication and connection right so the combination of both is so so vital and you guys have done such a great job at that so um, thank you guys so much for who you are what you're what you've been doing in the life of people and if anyone's listening and go hey i, I love this this is so so helpful uh go to giantworldwide.com uh you can find out uh, more information there um, about the catalyst role about uh, what we do but it's really what our our purpose is really to unlock the potential in people and to raise up a different type of leader um, a leader who brings high support and high challenge and gets healthy and then scales and it works. We've just been doing this for so long. And I think I think a lot of times, and I think you guys are great at this, you help people become the leader that they've always wanted to be, but have never known how to become. And because they don't necessarily, well, do I read a book? Do I go watch something? Do I go to a seminar? It's like, it's so much more complicated than that. And I think that you guys then play that key role of apprenticing and giving them a safe space to um, to ask. So thank you guys for all you do. Wish you the very best. Thanks for being on the Giant Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much, Jeremy. All right. Bye, guys. Uh, Steve, there you are. We, um, so we're, we're in the final thought stage. We let we let Sam and, and Kayla go. Any Any final thoughts for you today? Well, apart from having slight technical difficulties there, but I'm back on my phone. I, you know, I think the the, the thing I, I was talking to you about at the beginning, I was re- I've been reflecting on what what's my intentional choice as we deal with difficult times, and I think I, I came to the, the phrase that I read and I, I reflect on, which is people don't really want to know how much I know until they know how much I care, and I think the kind of humility. I think you're spot on is such a key ingredient in helping people in difficult times. But I, I think for me, because it's not by default me, I'm trying to work out what does what does to lead with compassion mean so that people know I care. Now, you know, as a pioneer, everyone knows that's a learnt behavior rather than a, a default. But I thought it really struck me that basically when we're going through difficult times and we sometimes feel we're going to have to lead through those, for me, just trying to lead with the lens of compassion so that people know I care before they want to know how much I know. I have a tendency, as you know, to want to tell you how much I know and then hope that you hear that as compassionate. And uh, I'm not sure that's always true. So that's just a little bit of my own self-reflection as I've gone. I don't want to sound negative. I want to be a leader who's consistent, stable, speaks the truth in love. But how do I do that with compassion when a lot of people are really struggling right now. And how do they know I mean that? Um, awesome. I think my final thought is as I listen to Sam and Kayla and just what they've done consistently for so mm. many years and the fruit of that, mm. I'm just so encouraged with the concept of 100X. And mm. that it's just, it works. The, I mean, it's common sense. It's like, yeah, get healthy <laughs> and multiply that health into other people who then mm. get healthy and multiply that health into other people mm. who then 
So, you know, I'm doing it right now. And with um, this football team, with, with uh, playing a role with the University of Oklahoma football team, and it's amazing. We're in the game 10, and I have – uh, they they're reading the peace index. They have <laughs> talked to me about their peace levels. They're talking to me about the sport challenge matrix. They're talking to me about other relationships. And a few of them are starting to really, really get it at 18, 19, 20 years old mm-hmm. and pass it on. And it's just, it's fun to actually try it at all yeah. levels. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it works. So it works at the highest levels. It works at the lowest mm-hmm. levels. Uh, but for all of you listening, thanks for thanks for following us. Uh, our journey, our desire is to raise up uh, liberators, unlock the potential in people, and uh, we appreciate you guys joining mm-hmm. the journey. All right, my friend, wish you well, man. Have a great weekend. Thank you, and you, Jess. All right, see you all. Bye bye. Cheers. If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubitschek.com to learn more.